0: Welcome to The Teacher and the Preacher. This program is all about the importance of coming to understand that the Christian community and the Jewish community have more in common than we have been led to believe. Rather than seeing each other as against each other, we need to come to a point of seeing that the statement that our country is a Judeo Christian nation is much more than just a mere statement, but truly reflects the reality of our nation as it was and should remain. Every week there will be an interesting dialogue about the issues that have divided Jews and Christians and how we can move in bridging the gaps and see that by talking about the issues, we can better move in the direction of having more unity. Unity that will heal and help bring together a nation that is under attack by the forces of atheism, secularism, and a breakdown of family values. Join us now for a discussion between the teacher and the preacher. Welcome to The Teacher and the Preacher. I'm the teacher, Hal Berman.
1: And I'm the preacher, Dave Magira. Thank you for joining us this weekend on The Teacher and the Preacher. We're so delighted to have you as a listener. And Hal, we've been talking about an interesting book of the Bible, and it's one that not too many people are really familiar with. They may be familiar with the name of the book, but as far as what's laying in it, maybe not so much. So, uh, why don't you take us back a little bit and kind of set the context about about what this program is about?
0: So this is the third, third episode in our series on the book of Judges, which, as you said, I think it's one of the lesser read books of the Bible, but it's an amazing book. Uh, it's the transition period, essentially, between the conquest of the land by Joshua and then the monarchy that starts with Saul. And you have this 300-year period. And that's the book of Judges. And you have all of these stories in the book of Judges. Some of them are very well known. The story of Samson is probably the most well known. Uh, But then you have like, uh, for example, last week, and you can get this at our website, uh, theteacherandthepreacher.com. If you didn't hear it last week, we did the story of Ehud, which Ehud is not exactly a household word. But as we discussed, it's an amazing story with a lot of very valuable lessons really for our times. Uh, this week, we're going to move on and discuss a story probably not as well-known as Samson, but more well-known than Ehud, and that's the story of a very powerful woman uh, in the Bible, and her name was Deborah.
1: Yeah, this is a fascinating person. When I read about her, I I envision uh, some of the great leaders that Israel has had across its history, both ancient and modern Golda Meir was uh, something to be reckoned with. She was an amazing, amazing leader that God raised up for such a time as what he used her for. And even though I'm sure Deborah fit into the same arena where sometimes people, in this particular case women, have to make hard calls that, people push back on or people don't appreciate it and, and, and they lose their popularity with the people, uh, which was uh, very much part of Golda Meir's story. But nevertheless, Deborah is this gifted and amazing prophet, which usually that assignment or role isn't given to a woman. She's also a, a judge and it says that she was capable of hearing God's voice, and sharing God's word with with people. So, as uh, as this role that she has, uh, she didn't she didn't offer sacrifices as the men did, but she she did lead worship services and she did uh, proclaim the word of God. And so she becomes one of the most influential women in the Bible and. Uh, It's a sad thing that most people don't know who she is or know much about her, but she's really known for her wisdom and her courage and really is the only woman of the Hebrew scriptures, the Old Testament, who's known for her faith and her action, uh, not uh, because of her relationship to her husband or some other man. I mean, she's a standalone. Yeah. This gal is, is, is amazing. So... Uh, give us some more insights about well, her.
0: She's also she's distinguished from all the other judges, the other uh, eleven judges that are that are mentioned in the Book of Judges. That you know, as we discussed in an earlier episode, uh, shoftim, the Hebrew word for judges, it doesn't just mean judges. In this case, it's really more like chieftains, governors, leaders. Uh, you know, not quite kings, but uh, and they were called by God. But they, they weren't always judges, and uh, so that's one thing it says right at the beginning. And she was judging Israel at that time. She was sitting beneath the date palm of Deborah, between Ramah and Beit El, in the highlands of Ephraim. And the children of Israel went up to her for judgment. The other judges in the book you you have they're much more military leaders, which she also becomes, but they're not seen as these you know fonts of wisdom. So that's one way in which she's distinguished. And the other is, as you said, she's a prophetess. And there are other women in in the Hebrew Bible who are prophetesses, but uh, not too many, as you said. And that's also something that distinguishes her. The other judges are called by God, but they're not necessarily prophets. Uh, and, And also, as you said, she stands in her own right. It starts out, Deborah was a prophetess the wife of Lapidote so you you know she's married to Lapidote but that's the that's it's like just a reference point you really never hear from Lapidote again he's not part of the story he, he doesn't figure into it at all other than he's he's like the you know like we have uh, in, in the vice presidency right now he's the you know the, the first husband or the second husband or, or whatever you want to call him
1: yeah and and am I thinking right that 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 word can, can also be a place that she's not only married to this guy. Right, yeah, it can be a place as well. Yeah, so maybe she lives in the place that's named after this guy's family lineage. Who, who knows? But um, she ends up getting two chapters in the Book of Judges. Yeah,
0: but by the way, that you mentioned Golda Meir. I mean, she was very much the Golda Meir of her time. And Golda Meir was exactly the same way. She was married, but you never heard from her husband. And they honestly didn't have much of a relationship. She she was married to her, her mission for, for the people of Israel. And, and yeah. it's very similar here.
1: Yeah. Yeah, listen, um, both these gals are held in such high esteem. Uh, you know, Deborah has some impressive things that she said that really are, are attributed to her that are so foundational as truths. And Golda was the same way. I remember when she said, you know, we'll never have peace until the Palestinian people love their children more than they hate uh, Israel yeah. and the Jewish people. Still I true mean, today. These, yeah, these pieces, you know. So um, anyway, I, I just think about uh, this gal that's set apart right from the beginning. And uh, do you have any idea what her name means? So, Devorah? Uh, not, uh, well, Devora in Hebrew, and
0: actually
1: not off the top of my head. Did, did you research this? Well, I, I, I just came across the, the thing that her name means be. Ah, yes, that is true. Devora yes, does know mean it's bee. Just, Yes, uh, I
0: should. Yeah, I don't know why I didn't think. Calling yes, your memory. No, I, I you know. blanked on that. No, Devorah does mean B. That's right. That is true. Um, yes, although it doesn't. I don't. I'm not sure of the connection in this context because, uh, you know, her personality doesn't seem very bee like But uh, but yeah, Devorah can mean
1: bee. I was doing a little reading in my midrash, and basically one of the things it said there is that, uh, like bees. Who follow their leader in a swarm, the Jewish people follow sages and prophets who who teach them. Hmm. And as a bee sting can be painful, uh, bees' honey is incredibly sweet, and that the mm-hmm. word of the Lord will sting those who don't follow it, but will bless those who live righteously with a sweet life. That's a beautiful idea. Yeah, it should be in the Midrash, shouldn't it? Mm. <laughs> I love this. <laughs> Anyway, uh, but, um, you know, God used the bees in the Bible, uh, you know, uh, numerous times. Uh, I remember reading when Moses was leading the people and God said to him, listen, hey, tell the people we're moving out tomorrow. And uh, so pack up the bags and we'll we'll get going. And he went to the people and they said, listen, God says, be ready to move tomorrow. He said, no. This is our favorite KOA place. We got clean running water. We got great bathrooms. You know, we love the shade trees. We're not going. So he goes back and reports to the Lord. You know, hey, they're not they're not moving. He says, okay, I'll let them have their way. I'll just send in the bees. And so when the bees showed up, they all decided, you know what, we should just pack up. And go. <laughs> Funny about that, right? <laughs> so anyway, so this um, this woman is is busy. Uh, just doing what God has called her to do. I believe last week you mentioned that she sat under the tree in a particular location, and she would adjudicate the, the various issues that people brought to her and uh, work things out. You know, and um, give her guidance and uh, give insight and speak the word of the Lord to these people. Don't we all need? Don't we all need wisdom? Don't we all need? somebody like this in our life, right? For
0: sure, for sure. And she obviously was recognized because it says, you know, the children of Israel went up to her for judgment. She was obviously seen as somebody who could give them this that they needed.
1: Yeah, yeah. She I'm tell you, she was the right person for the right time. And and she also uh is not only a judge, but she's this gal here is a warrior. I mean she she knows exactly what uh, Israel needs to do to achieve victory. So um, she gets approached by this uh, military leader by the name of Barak. Yeah. And uh, let's talk about the situation in the context here. What happens? So she
0: summons Barak and she tells him God has uh, commanded him to go to Mount Tabor with ten thousand men. And this is where she's a prophetess. You know, she says God has commanded. She's obviously gotten this this vision. Uh, he's supposed to go with 10,000 men from the tribes of Natalia and Zebulun. Uh, and, uh, this is al- also what's interesting. Uh, just as an aside, you know, our, we have a mutual friend, Avon Rabinowitz, who's a tour guide in Israel, and he, he, guides a lot of Jewish and Christian groups. And he talks about how, you know, Jews and Christians can view the same place in Israel and, and see things very differently. So the example he gives is, uh, the steps of the Temple Mount, and he says, you know, a Jewish tour group will imagine the Levites ascending to the temple service when they see that. The Christian tour group will, will see the same site and imagine Jesus walking there. But, you know, it's the same spot, different meaning. So, so you have this here as well. He's, uh, she says, God commanded him to go to Mount Tabor. Now, most Christians, if you say Mount Tabor, it's about the transfiguration. Uh, but for Jews, they'll think of the story of Deborah. And, and in fact, for, you know, they're, they're both right, just like that with the Temple Mount. So, uh, in any event, she tells them to go to Mount T- uh, Tabor with his troops. She tells them to go against Sisera, which is uh, the commander of the Canaanite army. Uh, and then she said that God says, "I will deliver them into your hand." Uh, and this is where it really gets interesting. Barak tells Deborah, "He'll only go if she goes." And if you think about that, particularly in the context of the time, you know, he's saying to a woman, you know, he's the, he's the general, and he's saying to a woman. Um, Now, only if you go with me, because obviously he sees her as having the word of God, and he assumes since she has the word of God, she needs to be there for him to get God's protection. Uh, And she responds, very interestingly, she says, I will go with you. However, your glory will not be on the path that you are walking, for the Lord will dispatch Sisera by the hand of a woman. And what we find out later uh, in the story, is she's not talking about herself. There's yet another woman who figures in the story uh, that we'll get to, who also in her own right and her own way is a very strong woman.
1: Yeah, which underscores the fact that, hey, listen, uh, I'm willing to go with you as long as you fully understand that your name is not going to go down in history as I was the general in that job. Right. I was the guy who brought the victory. I was the guy who won the war, you know. And and I, I love that because once again, as we've talked to various times before, including recently that this kind of verse that's in here is not in there to make the book thicker. I mean, she's come <laughs> straight up. Listen, there's, there's going to be no glory for you in the course you're taking. The Lord will deliver Sisera into the hands of a woman. So Barack's probably thinking, well, she'll get the credit for it. But as you mentioned, there's a little twist here, isn't there,
0: yeah, yeah, for sure, so
1: so they go off to battle and uh just like it was told them in the prophecy and and uh and what happens
0: so Cicero brings nine hundred chariots of iron, which in those days you think is a formidable fighting force, but
1: that was the that was the that was the modern tank, wasn
0: 't it, yeah, yeah, and he's got a lot of them, but Barak descends from Mount Tabor with his ten thousand men, and of course, what 's significant here from a military standpoint is. Chariots don't do so well on mountains, Uh, so they have the advantage of just like you think of battles today, when you hold the high ground, you have the advantage, and and that's exactly what Barak had. And then it says, and this almost echoes uh, the Egyptian chariots going into the, the Sea of Reeds, uh, it says the Lord confounded Sisera, all his chariots, and his entire camp by the sword before Barak, and then it says not even one remained. Again, just just like you have in in the story of the, of uh, the the Exodus.
1: Yes, you know, I'm I'm assuming you've been to the top of Mount Tabor. Yeah, I have as well, and it's it's an amazing it's amazing um mount that's sitting there in the midst of this valley right it is uh, breathtakingly beautiful and the and the distance you can see from up there you realize how uh, formidable of a force you would be having the higher ground uh but when you come down off of that and you encounter this formidable formidable force i mean cicero was no no weakling and he's got uh equipment that's uh Uh, really, it makes Israel look outnumbered. But um, the insights into really that battle aren't really included in chapter four, are they? Uh, No, because
0: in fact, the the battle is almost not the most important part of the story. Obviously, it's important, but what comes after uh, becomes the most important part. Uh, You have uh, Sisera flees, And this is where it gets really interesting, and this is where Deborah's prophecy comes true.
1: Yes. Well, in order to really understand the full story, much of the details that aren't included in chapter four are actually included in the song. Right. Which comes later. That makes up chapter five, right?
0: Right. And the song is actually
1: longer than the story, interestingly enough. Yes. Yes. And I think that that's one of the things that is unique about the Bible. And it's got this wonderful Hebrew poetry, if you will. But it's um, very interesting. So Sisera thinks, uh, I need to get out of here while the getting's good. And so he heads over towards the uh, mountains of Gilboa, right?
0: Right. Which and is There
1: he finds a, 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 a place of what he thinks is going to be refuge.
0: Yeah. And he encounters Jael, who appears to be a Kenite, which means she's descended from Jethro, who was Moses' father-in-law. And uh, this is just my reading into the story that I think because she's not an Israelite, he perhaps has trusted her more. You know, if she'd been an Israelite, he might have not trusted her. But because he, she's not an Israelite, he might have been lulled into some sense of, of uh, safety.
1: Yes. So she says, hey, come, come on in here, and he is uh, cold, and, and he's uh, shivering, and uh, he wants something to drink, and so she fixes him a nice glass of uh, what I call a heifer highball. <laughs> 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 uh, she brings him a glass of milk, right? And uh, so anyway... Uh, she gets him comfortable, little glass of milk, and he decides he'll take a long winter's nap, huh? Yeah, and she knows
0: what she's doing. She knows the milk is going to kind of lull him to sleep. She covers him with a
1: blanket. She used to do this with her kids, and it worked like magic. Tomorrow. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so he lays down to go to sleep, and he's, he's probably dreaming. Uh... And um, it's probably uh, a dream that is about to turn into a nightmare, isn't it?
0: Yeah, unbeknownst to him, of course, because he never
1: uh, he never wakes up to know what exactly hit him. So, what do you suppose came to Yaël's mind that caused her to do what she decided to do—take so, matters in her own hands? You know, so
0: that that's interesting, and, and you have this in different places in the Hebrew Bible. Uh, I'm thinking of some of the stories of Abraham, for example, um, where like uh, taking um, Isaac uh, for you know for for the binding of Isaac. Uh, that, that's the one that, that comes to mind most strongly. But but you have many of these instances where where you'd love to, basically, you, you know, where you have those cartoons and you have the little bubble and you know what they're actually thinking, um, and. and the, the Hebrew Bible doesn't always tell you. And here, you, you don't, you just assume her motives are, you know, even though she's not Israelite, she's patriotic and she knows who Sisera is and she knows that, hey, um, he's bad news and uh, the sooner we get rid of him, the better. But it never actually tells you what she's thinking.
1: Yes. Well, she makes a bold move. She grabs a hammer and a tent peg and she decides, you know what? I'm going to make sure this guy never wakes up. He is about to have the worst dream. And uh, what enters his mind, literally, <laughs> puts him out of his mind, doesn't it?
0: Yep. And it, it says very clearly, uh, verse 21, she drove the peg through his temple. And that's very stark. And that's the end of Sisera.
1: Yep. And what is it we're reading in the Bible? And Barak accomplished all he set out to do and lived happily ever after. No. (laughs) It says, and Yael did this, you know, just as... Deborah prophesied, listen, a woman's going to get the glory. She's going to get the credit for this, right?
0: Right. Well, even it says it very starkly. You know, it says, Behold, Barak was pursuing Sisera, and Ya'el emerged to meet him. You know, just as, as Deborah prophesied, prophesied that, uh, you know, the glory wouldn't be to him, because here he's pursuing Sisera. He wants to be the one to take down Sisera. And Ya'el emerges to meet him and said to him, Come, and I will show you the man whom you seek. He came into her, and behold, Sisera falling dead, and the peg was in his temple. So mission accomplished, but he didn't get to be the one who accomplished it.
1: Nope. When he walks in there and sees that she's already done the deed, I I wonder if he had any mixed feelings at all. Yeah. Well, he at least knew that Deborah was right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. Exactly. I'm sure that those words were ringing in his ears, you know. So what, what do we draw from this? Uh, you know, what is it that, that should speak to our hearts? What is it that we can lean on that we learn from these two amazing chapters in this uh, uh, interesting book of these judges? Uh, because Deborah is something uh, to behold, really, as a person.
0: Yeah, I think, you know, just like uh, when we discussed Ehud last week and the fact that he was left-handed, which in his case seemed to be a disability, and that becomes the main thing, that becomes his strength. And and here, you know, you have Deborah the prophetess, Deborah the judge, and a uh, Barack figures in the story, but he, he's almost like a prop. You know, in other words, the military leader, it's saying that, uh, you know, strength is important, physical strength is important, but it's not ultimately the most important because Deborah is the one that figures a lot more, and then Yael uh who i mean obviously she uses force, but she doesn't have ten thousand troops she has uh you know she has a tent peg, a peg and a hammer and uh and you know she winds up being the hero uh so yeah. I, I think you know one thing you can draw from it uh is that you know it's it's not always. Uh you know it's not always the the physically strong that are are the ones who uh, are the ones who are going to save the day. Yeah.
1: Yeah, you know as we've talked about uh last week and uh, again this week, you know, if if God is telling you to do something or go somewhere despite our fears, despite your fears. And we listen to his call, they listen to him uh as he uh endeavors to draw us into doing his will, being an instrument in his hands. Because he he has plans that we we don't understand. He has things that we have no idea a lot of times what he's up to. He's just asking, just go with me on this, you know? Yeah. And and we don't understand. Our hearts and our lives end up being changed just because we were willing to risk a step of obedience. I mean, that's powerful. And... uh, so, you know, um, I think there is a, uh, something to be said here about being, being an obedient follower of God. I think it also uh, is a call to be courageous, you know, instead of caving. Um, he, he, he calls us to arise to the moment and avail ourselves. And he takes it from there, but it takes courage.
0: Yeah. In fact, you, you could almost look at Barak— uh, when he he says to Deborah, I'll only go if you go. Uh, and then she says, you know, you're not going to get the glory if you, if you choose that course of action. You know, one could look at that as Barak has a lack of faith because here he's the one with ten thousand men, and he's the one who's going to be standing on Mount Tabor with the advantage of having the higher ground. And yet he he knows that Deborah, it, you know, has the word of God. So he says, you know, you need to go with me. Um, it's not enough for him that. You know, he's already heard that God will be with him. And, and you, you could actually look at that as, you know, it's this lack of faith that made him maybe a little less than he would have otherwise been in the story. Yeah.
1: I, I think that's such a good word. We've pretty much uh, burned the clock up on this particular uh, story, which I think is well worth the time we spent on it. And I just want to encourage our listeners uh, read the Bible. Uh, trek with us through this next week we're going to have a chance to really look at one more of these fascinating guys and uh, I think that uh, you will so enjoy this trek if you'll open the word of the Lord and let it speak to you so how before we get off the air here how about letting people know how they can interact with us (laughs)
0: So we love to hear from you. We get some wonderful messages, emails from our listeners, and we read every one of them. We get uh, your questions, comments, ideas for shows, which we often use. And you can contact us uh, most easily through our website, www.theteacherandthepreacher.com. Just go to the contact page, and you can just send us a message. Uh, Very easy. Just write it and click send. And while you're there, uh, you go to the podcast page, And you can hear this broadcast, you can hear any of our archived broadcasts uh, when you want, as much as you want. Uh, You can also, if you're so inclined, uh, please consider donating while you're there. You can click on the donate button. We stay on the air through the generosity of you, our listeners. So we're very grateful for your support. Uh, if you want to contact contact us the old fashioned way, just shoot us an email theteacherandthepreacher at gmail dot com, or you can connect with us on Facebook at the Teacher and the Preacher or Twitter at the Teach Preach.
1: Yeah, this is uh, such a good way to stay in touch with uh, Hal and I, and uh, we we value and appreciate interaction, and so we we thank those of you who take the time to write us, and uh, we, we we never just uh, do anything less than pay full attention to what you send us and I want to thank our donors who God uses them to keep us on the air and I'm so grateful for that and so we, we appreciate those of you who stand by us and if if you find that the program is meaningful uh, it's tax deductible so you'll bless us and you'll get a blessing out of it at the same time and uh, you'll you'll help us get on down the road. I so appreciate the time with you again this week, Hal. Thanks. Likewise. Your friendship and partnership, and just the joy of having the Teacher Preacher program. So um, let's keep Israel in our prayers during these days. uh, With uh, the government uh, struggling right now and things uh, still being intense by some of the surrounding neighbors, let's keep Israel in our thoughts and prayers. And may the God of Israel, who never slumbers or sleeps, may he watch over Israel and all of our Jewish friends, and may that same God bless America. Amen.